Gas prices spike into unprecedented territory. And the Biden administration reaches out to Venezuela and Iran rather than pushing new drilling. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your online privacy today at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Well, you may have noticed that we are spending way too much money on everything, like every single thing right now. The gas prices are extraordinarily high. So are your food prices, like everything. You're paying too much for all of it. Well, one of those things that you're paying too much for, but you can actually lower your price on today is your cell phone bill. You need to stop paying for Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile's social initiatives. Stop paying for their thousands of retail stores across the country you never go to. Stop paying for those added perks you never use. Instead, head on over to Pure Talk. Pure Talk will give you killer 5G coverage on the same 5G network as one of the big guys for about half the cost. The average family is saving over $800 a year which is money that could be, you could be using for all of the other elevated prices in your life, thanks to Joe Biden. What is your excuse? I made the switch. You can keep your number, keep your phone, or get huge discounts on the latest iPhones and Androids. Get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data for just 30 bucks a month. And listen, if you still want unlimited data, you can get it and save a fortune. Go to puretalk.com, shop for the plan that's right for you. They have a 30-day risk-free guarantee, so you literally have nothing to lose. Head on over to puretalk.com, enter promo code Shapiro. You will save 50% off your very first month of coverage. That is puretalk.com, promo code Shapiro. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Well, the price at the pump is now extraordinary. It's extraordinary because of the war in Russia, Ukraine, it is also extraordinary because the West has basically spent the last several decades attempting to wean itself off of natural oil and gas, sort of. And when I say sort of, what I mean is we have made ourselves significantly more dependent, except in the United States, on outsourced forms of carbon-based energies. So there's a sort of environmental nimbyism that goes on in the first world, where we're, we, we do need the gas, we need, we need the heating oil, we need the gas at the pump, we need all those things. But we don't want to see it done right here. Like We would prefer that our environment remained pristine, but we would really like it if Venezuela just drilled. We would love it if Russia just drilled. It just brought up that oil and natural gas. We don't care if it's really in the messiest and least environmentally friendly way. We don't care. They can put it in pipelines. They can ship it over to Europe. And then we can make ourselves more and more dependent on some of the world's worst people because at least that way, we can tell Greta Thunberg that we have done our best to fight global warming. And so we've made ourselves more dependent on despots and authoritarians with regard to oil over the course of the past few decades. Now, in the United States, that hasn't been true. It wasn't true under Obama, actually, because of the fracking boom that happened under Obama. It was unexpected. Obama obviously didn't want to foment it. He fought against it. But nonetheless, fracking brought down the price of oil dramatically. Fracking was, was a deeply impactful American technology that made America significantly less dependent on foreign, sources, uh, on foreign sources of oil and natural gas and actually created, by 2019, an energy surplus in the United States where we were exporting more oil and natural gas than we were importing. Now, it doesn't mean America's energy independent because that's not how supply chains work. So some of our oil and natural gas was going overseas. Crude oil was coming back to the United States at the same time. So it's not as though because we were, quote unquote, energy independent, that meant that we had complete autarky, meaning that all of the oil we were producing in the United States was being consumed in the United States. About 68% of all the natural gas and oil in the United States being used was from the United States, but we were still using foreign sources of oil from OPEC, from from South America, from other places on the planet, about 5% of our oil and natural gas coming from overseas, courtesy of Russia. However, what this did mean is that if the United States had continued to ramp up capacity, if the United States had not spent the last year attempting to wind down our production of natural gas and oil and punish natural gas and oil producers, we would be in a much better position when the spigots shut off from Russia and when we have to turn the spigots off from some of the worst places on earth. 
Making ourselves less dependent is a very good thing in terms of foreign policy. And yet the environmentalists don't care about that. Now, they, they like to say that what they really care about is saving the planet and preventing global warming. Realistically speaking, they've, very, they, they've done very little of, of either of those things. They haven't saved the planet. They haven't really prevented global warming either in terms of the cuts to carbon emissions that they have been discussing. What really has happened is that most of the dirty work has gotten outsourced in the same way that Americans really like cheap products. They just want, don't want to produce those at home because that would actually require extraordinarily cheap labor. And so we produce it overseas. The same thing has happened with oil and natural gas. And so that means that when we end up in an economic war with Russia, then the gas prices spike. According to the Wall Street Journal, prices at the gas pump are now soaring to near record levels across the United States, threatening to further pressure consumers and an economy already struggling with sky-high inflation. On Monday, the national average price for regular gasoline hit four bucks, six cents a gallon, the highest price since July 2008, approaching the record of four bucks and 11 cents reached that same month, according to AAA. The week's run-up was fueled by traders, shippers, and financiers shunning Russian oil, removing millions of barrels of oil from global supplies that had squeezed a market already tight amid a rebound in the global economy as it emerged from two years of COVID-19 restrictions. Recovering demand has cranked up inflationary pressures around the globe, rattling the production of everything from cars to corn. So we had already ramped up the price inflation on oil and natural gas thanks to increased demand. Some of it falls spurred by American government spending. And now we've cut the supply. Claudio Galimberti, senior vice president of analysis at energy consultant Rystad Energy, says, if we were in a supply crunch before the Russia invasion, right now we are in a hyper supply crunch for oil. We are in a price crunch of historical proportions. In the United States, the ability to refine gasoline declined sharply during the pandemic-driven economic slowdown. The market has lost about 1 million barrels of daily gasoline refining capacity since early 2020, when the United States was producing about 19 million barrels of gasoline a day. That is a recipe for higher prices as growth returns, even without Ukraine crisis. So a lot of this inflation, again, has been caused by bad regulation. Some of it was caused by COVID-19 and the fact that a lot of refineries shut down because there just wasn't demand. But that should have ramped up over the course of the last year. Instead, it ramped up more slowly than it should have. At the same time, that production was not ramping up as fast as it should have. Demand was skyrocketing, again, thanks to bad government fiscal and economic policy. This is leading to widespread complaints across the country about gas prices. California residents, for example, we're complaining about high gas prices on CBS Los Angeles. And we're starting to see, and I, I would not be shocked if we see the continuation of Carter-era gas lines. This is some footage from CBS LA. Fuel prices are rising at a rate the U.S. hasn't seen since Hurricane Katrina in 2005. A couple days ago, they shot up 14 cents within 24 hours. This is ridiculous. Everything, is orange juice is going up, uh, bacon's going up, coffee's going up. Uh, the cost of living is just going up and wages aren't going up. If you look at the actual increase in the gas price per gallon, the current price per gallon is over $4 a gallon. One month ago, it was like three fifty. So it's risen over, I believe, 57 cents over the course of the last month alone, the average American price of gas, which is an extraordinary jump. The average U.S. household has about $700 more in its bank account today than before COVID-19 struck, thanks to the government blowing money into their bank accounts. But that has also created massive inflationary pressures, which are now only exacerbated by foreign crisis. The White House doesn't have a lot of great answers for this. One CBS reporter actually talked to Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary yesterday at her press conference, and was quoting drivers lamenting rising gas prices. One woman saying, I just never imagined to see the cost of gas be this high. Another said, it's a huge stressor to my financial situation, a huge stressor. It's kind of like something I've stressed about, like during the day, will I be able to afford gas? How much money do I have? 
What is the White House, what is the President's message to Americans who are going to the gas station today and seeing prices so high? Well, the President's message is that he is going to do everything we can, everything he can, to reduce the impact on the American people. Okay, as we'll see, that is absolutely 100% not true. There's one particular strategy that he does not wish to try. Instead, he wishes to continue to pressure American consumers into greenlighting his Green New Deal ideals about getting off of carbon-based emissions and carbon-based energy entirely. Meanwhile, Western oil giants who sunk an enormous amount of money into Russian oil, because after all, the West was attempting to outsource. Again, this is not completely their fault. Western companies that decided to invest in Russian oil did so because the West said, we're not going to produce oil here at home. We're going to produce oil abroad. And that was true for all of Europe. It was true for all of Europe. It was true for the United States to a certain extent. It was not true only because of fracking. Which, again, it is incredible that environmentalists continue to pretend that fracking is one of the worst things in the entire world. The natural gas that is produced by fracking is significantly less damaging in terms of carbon-based emissions than the oil that we used to drill for. It is, it is completely wild that the substitution of natural gas for oil in the American economy has led to a radical reduction in carbon emissions and environmentalists want to ban fracking. In any case, according to the Wall Street Journal, Western oil giants spent decades building inroads to Russia's fossil fuel wealth. Those collaborations collapsed in the days following Russia's invasion of Ukraine, leaving them with no clear path to recoup billions of dollars. Even as Russian troops were amassing on Ukraine's border last month, executives at BP, Shell, and ExxonMobil believed they could weather the fallout said people close to the companies, but in less than 60 hours last week, all announced they were exiting Russian operations under pressure from the U.S. and U.K. governments as international condemnation of Russian President Vladimir Putin's aggression grew. BP said it would divest its nearly 20% stake in Russian state-controlled oil producer Rosneft. Shell said it would end Russian joint ventures and get out of the now-halted Nord Stream 2 pipeline poised to carry gas into Germany. Exxon said it would shut down production from massive oil and gas projects it runs on Sakhalin Island in Russia's Far East. We've effectively walked away from our business in Russia, said BP non-executive director John Sawyers at a Wall Street Journal CEO Council event last week. Apparently, the value of BP's Rosneft stake was $14 billion in book value last year. It is currently down to close to zero. So what's odd about the Western response to all of this is that at the same time that oil prices are spiking, we are encouraging not an energy boycott of Russia, but just a sort of peculiar relationship in which Western companies don't invest in Russia, which would make oil cheaper, but we continue to import Russian oil because we want to make oil cheaper. It's all confused and discombobulated. It makes very, very little sense at all. Here's Jen Psaki yesterday saying that we still haven't made a decision to ban Russian oil imports. So I, I'm just, con I'm, I'm confused. Why are you pressuring American and British Petroleum, ExxonMobil? Why, why are you trying to make Western oil companies divest from companies when the United States will not divest from Russian oil? There has to be some other agenda here, or at least a willful blindness to the realities on the ground for the hundreds of millions of people who are reliant on oil and natural gas to make sure that they don't freeze during the winter and to make sure they can get to work. Here is Jen Psaki saying we are not going to ban Russian oil imports. Again, if this administration, if the West were to say, listen, this is so important, we are cutting off Russian oil imports, we're doing it right now. And so we're ramping up alternative methods of production. We're going to have a supply crunch right now. But in the future, this is not going to happen again. That would at least make some sense. You have to make some sacrifice now for freedom. And we are going to ramp up oil production in order to meet demand, in order to make sure that you continue to live your life the way you want to live your life. But they're not doing any of that. Instead, they are suggesting that you should undergo pain. And at the same time, they continue to not want you to undergo enough pain, right? They, they kind of want, we're going to sort of keep the prices down by continuing to import Russian oil. And then we are going to use the higher prices as impetus for our agenda that we were pushing beforehand anyway.
Here's Jen Psaki saying we are not going to make a decision to ban Russian oil imports. No decision has been made at this point uh, by the president about uh, an, uh, a ban, an import, a ban on importing uh, oil from Russia. Uh, and those discussions are ongoing internally and also with our counterparts uh, and uh, partners uh, in Europe and around the world. Then Jen Psaki went on for a way to say, well, the real problem here is that the Europeans haven't diversified their sources of oil. Well, you know, what would make that easier is if we were exporting more oil to the Europeans. If they were more dependent on, say, American oil and natural gas than Russian oil and natural gas, that would definitely help. But here is Jen Psaki suggesting, you know, it's the Europeans. It's, it's their fault. Well, maybe we shouldn't follow their example then. Their big mistake was, again, listening to a Swedish teen instead of looking across the, across the continent at the Russian dictator with territorial aggression ambitions. Here is, here is Jen Psaki again. The Nord Stream 1, 2 threat aside, um, the reliance on importing the import of Russian oil is so much more significant in Russia, in, excuse me, in Europe, that well over the course of time, it's clear they recognize the need to diversify their means of getting oil. Um, this is uh, a bigger challenge um, and puts them in a more challenging position. Well, it's weird because when Donald Trump said that a few years ago, flashback 2018, Donald Trump at the United Nations told the Europeans, you guys, you need to stop being reliant on Russian oil. And remember, this was supposedly pro-Putin cat's paw Donald Trump telling the Europeans, you morons, you need to get off of Russian oil forthwith. And the Germans were laughing at him when he said this. Now, of course, their energy prices are doubling because they're reliant on Vladimir Putin. Germany will become totally dependent on Russian energy if it does not immediately change course. Here in the Western Hemisphere, we are committed to maintaining our independence from the encroachment of expansionist foreign powers. And you, you can see the Germans laughing there. They're, they're literally laughing. I mean, there's a cutaway to the German delegation, and they're openly laughing at Donald Trump for saying this. And then, what, four years later, Germany's Energy prices are set to rapidly increase. Look at these sophisticates, these sophisticates sneering at Donald Trump for saying something that is overtly and clearly true and was true at the time. So the Germans are laughing at Trump. They're laughing at Trump because it's so darn funny that Donald Trump told them to, you know, look for energy independence from Russia. That was a giant fail by them. But there is a giant fail you no longer need to participate in. I'm talking about the giant fail of owning underwear other and underwear from Tommy John's with dozens of comfort innovations. Once you've tried Tommy John underwear, you are not going to go back. I'm like, I literally throw out all my other pairs of underwear. I only own Tommy John. They've got the innovations like an air mesh interior hammock, moisture wicking fabric with four times the stretch of competing brands. The legs never ride up. Tommy John underwear comes with that non-rolling waistband for the perfect fit which is why Tommy John doesn't have customers. They have fanatics. Tommy John has thousands of fanatics who after 13 years and tens of thousands of five-star reviews call Tommy John the most comfortable boxer briefs ever. There is no downside. Buy one pair. You'll never want to wear any other underwear again. I am one of their thrilled customers, so I can tell you their stuff is amazing. With over 17 million pairs sold, men across America love those Tommy John underwear. Tommy John underwear moves with you thanks to breathable, lightweight, moisture-wicking fabric. It has four times the stretch of those competing brands. The shipping and the returns are free because every single pair is backed by Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or it's free, guarantee. Get 20% off your first order right now at tommyjohn.com slash Ben. Go to tommyjohn.com slash Ben today for 20% off. tommyjohn.com slash Ben. See site for details. The impact, by the way, of making yourself more dependent on foreign dictatorships is not relegated merely to the price of oil. 
It also has massive impact on world markets. According to the Wall Street Journal, the Dow Jones Industrial Average slid nearly 800 points on Monday, marking a 10% decline from January's high to close in correction territory for the first time in two years as surging oil prices heightened concerns about inflation and economic growth. U.S. stocks fell in morning trading after oil prices burst above 130 bucks a barrel on Sunday night, threatening to upend calculations for company costs, consumer behavior, and the course of inflation. The losses for major indices deepened in the afternoon as investors dialed back on risk by selling shares of companies across much of the economy, with the tech-heavy Nasdaq composite falling into a bear market by declining 20% below its November high. The sell-off left the Dow's blue chips 11% below their January record, meeting the standard of a course correction defined as a drop of at least 10% from a recent high. The index last entered a correction in February 2020. That was, of course, right at the outbreak of COVID. Investors are growing fearful that the consequences for financial markets of the war in Ukraine now in day 12 could become increasingly dramatic. Already, the conflict has roiled commodity markets, inflamed tensions between Moscow and the West, and led to Russia being unplugged from much of the global financial system. Hans Olsen, chief investment officer at Fiduciary Trust, says the market's on increasingly shaky ground. When you combine the price shocks we are seeing in the energy complex on one hand and the galloping inflation we're seeing on the other hand, that's a really tough mix for an equity market to hold valuations where we are right now. In other words, how exactly do you launch an IPO when you have no idea what things cost? It makes things incredibly, incredibly difficult. Investors are getting very, very wary. And of course, this has an impact on how central banks are about to try to curb inflation. According to the Wall Street Journal, on both sides of the Atlantic, inflation is at levels that haven't been seen for decades. It's still rising. Global stock markets are wilting. The dollar is surging against other currencies as investors rush for the safety of U.S. assets. Economists are increasingly warning of a possible bout of stagflation, particularly in Europe, a situation of high inflation and low growth that afflicted major economies during the 1970s. Back then, central banks responded to a surge in oil prices with easy money policies that caused a wage price spiral. Now, some central banks might give up on their plans to increase interest rates after keeping them down during the pandemic. At rate-setting meetings scheduled over the next week, both the European Central Bank and the Federal Reserve had been expected to move rapidly to phase out easy money policies. Both are now likely to be more cautious. So you're going to get the Federal Reserve continuing to bolster inflationary problems. Same thing in Europe. Hey, all of this is because of bad policy. It is bad foreign policy. It is bad environmental policy. It is bad, it is bad energy policy. It turns out that when you make yourself more dependent on the world's worst people, and then you have to cut those people off in order to prevent their foreign predations, it hurts you really, really badly. And when you're, willing, when you're unwilling to change course, you're not just making things worse today, you're making things significantly worse tomorrow. Again, remember, the Biden administration came into office promising that they were going to limit oil and natural gas development. According to the Wall Street Journal's editorial page, March 4th, 2022, we reported last month the federal judge slapped down the Biden administration's inflated social cost estimate for greenhouse gas emissions. The administration's estimate captured all the potential harm from carbon emissions globally over three centuries. They threw in everything from property damage to health harms and more. They were attempting to use that grossly inflated social cost estimate to support restrictions on fossil fuels, from stricter fuel economy rules to methane emission curbs for oil and gas production. Meanwhile, the White House Budget Office says the injunction that the court ruled against them has caused it to halt permitting work on at least 18 wells on federal oil and gas leases in New Mexico and new lease sales. Interior has been slow rolling oil and gas permits since Biden took office. A judge last June struck down the president's leasing ban on federal land and ordered Interior to hold quarterly leases as required by law. Only in November did Interior finally hold an offshore sale. Then green groups sued and a liberal judge blocked the sales. The administration hasn't appealed. Biden still has not held an onshore lease sale He's the only president in at least two decades not to have done so in any given year. 
Approvals for new liquefied natural gas terminals and expansions are also sitting at the Department of Energy and Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, according to the American Petroleum Institute. Meanwhile, the left-leaning Center for American Progress urged the administration to block ConocoPhillips project in the National Petroleum Reserve in Alaska, which aimed to produce 160,000 barrels of oil per day over 30 years. A federal judge last summer tossed the Trump environmental permit, and now Interior is revisiting the project. As the Wall Street Journal points out, we take the point reducing regulatory barriers to development won't increase production or reduce energy prices overnight. But as one oil field services executive recently told Bloomberg, Biden is signaling his environmental goals, Trump energy security and consumer prices that is not lost on public companies or the banks they rely upon. In other words, if you're going to ramp up production and ramp up expansion and you're going to invest, why would you invest in the face of an administration that is overtly telling you that they wish to stop the sort of expansion that you need in the energy sector? I mean, it is very obvious that the United States going green is not the solution to our current energy woes. J.P. Morgan, by the way, is now predicting that oil could hit a record 185 bucks a barrel by the end of 22, 185 bucks a barrel. In the United States, every $10 per barrel rise in oil prices increases inflation by 0.2 percentage points. Remember, the price of oil right now is about 130 bucks a barrel. So you're talking about at least a one percentage point increase in inflation over the course of the next year, according to J.P. Morgan. I mean, it's amazing, amazing stuff. It's all discombobulated. And so at the same time that the, the Biden administration is saying they're not going to go after Russian natural gas and oil, they're also saying that they're not going to ramp up production and that we should all just use electric vehicles and that we should go to Venezuela and Iran for our oil. All of this is really bad policy. So what does this mean? What it really means is you should expect that, I, I would expect that today, the White House is going to actually ban imports of Russian oil I think they will. I think they'll move toward that because they want to close that final loophole on Putin, put more pressure on him and cave to the public pressure, which they should. But instead of ramping up production to meet demand, they're then going to pressure the American citizenry to pay higher prices at the pump on behalf of their environmental goals. That is the goal. That is what they want. So oil prices are up. Chaos in the financial markets. Now is an excellent time for you to think about lowering your biggest monthly payment. I'm talking about that mortgage payment. Whether it's your mortgage, your credit cards, really anything with a rate tied to it, you are in jeopardy of paying more for money borrowed and money spent these days. Don't let that happen because you can see that the Federal Reserve is about to raise interest rates. So now is the time to call American Financing, get that free mortgage review you've been hearing me tell you about. See if you can get a better deal before the rates jump higher because you really could save up to a thousand bucks a month with these guys, plus tens of thousands of bucks long term. From lower rates to shorter terms, even debt consolidation, American Financing can do all of it. They never charge upfront or hidden fees. So why not see what they can do for you? If you like what you hear, you can pre-qualify for free, possibly skip two mortgage payments, and you might close in as fast as 10 days. Just call 866-721-3300. That is 866-721-3300 to get started or visit AmericanFinancing.net, NMLS 182334, NMLSConsumerAccess.org. Again, give them a call. 866-721-3300. Now is the time to do it because if you miss this time, you're going to regret it. You're going to want to kick yourself in the butt later. Visit AmericanFinancing.net and refi that mortgage or credit card loan or anything else today. Okay, so how's the administration actually handling this particular gas crisis, which just, I mean, this is shades of 1970, 1977, 1978. I mean, it just, it really is. It's pretty, it's pretty wild. So Jen Psaki yesterday, she said, we are taking historic steps to reduce the price of oil. This, of course, is wildly untrue. We have already taken steps. The president has already taken steps. Historic release from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, one that's done in a coordinated fashion. And clearly, we will continue to have conversations with 
large oil producers and suppliers around the world about how to mitigate the impact and, and consider domestic options as well. Okay, well, it's not true that releasing oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve is going to solve this particular problem. Remember, Biden did this a few months ago when the oil prices spiked. He released like a little bit of oil and then he was like, look at me, I fixed the problem. He didn't fix the problem very clearly. Hey, the, tell the most telling exchange came yesterday, courtesy of Peter Ducey. So he asked Jen Psaki, you know, you guys held up the Keystone XL pipeline. So Keystone XL would have allowed for Canadian imports of oil and natural gas through that pipeline to a Texas petroleum refinery. And that would have brought more oil online faster. It would have brought more, more resources online faster. And they rejected this. And so she was asked, why are you doing that? Why don't you greenlight Keystone XL? Why don't you ramp up production? Why don't you do the things that are necessary in order so that the United States can in the future bring down the oil prices? Why don't you do those things? And she literally says that it would be easier for the United States to go completely carbon-based fuel-free than to ramp up production, which is just a wild statement. Here we go. Would President Biden ever undo his executive order that stopped the construction of the Keystone XL pipeline? Are you suggesting that would solve the gas prices issue? Well, do you think that that would maybe affect prices faster than getting the whole country off of fossil fuels? I actually don't think it would. Uh, the Keystone uh, was not an oil field. It's a pipeline. Yeah. Also, the oil is continuing to flow in just through other means. So it actually would have nothing to do with the current supply imbalance. Okay, she's an idiot. I'm sorry, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. That's a, that, that, that is like saying that if you, if you smash the sink in your apartment, you break that sink, don't worry, the water will come through through other means. It won't affect your life in any way. Yes, that's true. The Keystone XL pipeline is not, in fact, an oil field. It is one of the many components that are necessary to bring oil to market. This it's like saying if we took refineries off, you know, that's not an oil field. If you take refineries offline, I mean, the refineries aren't the oil field. After all, all they do is refine the oil. Like, it's just unbelievable. These people are so committed to their environmentalist nonsense, to to a way of thinking that is not remotely practical. I mean, look, Elon Musk runs the chief electric car company on planet Earth. And he said yesterday, it doesn't matter how many electric cars you bring online. It's not going to solve the problem, which is the carbon based fossil fuels are still significantly more efficient in terms of the energy they produce than anything else that we have, certainly at scale. And yet this administration, at a certain point, you have to start thinking that the pain is purposeful. When they refuse, the most obvious solution that is right in front of them, midterm and long-term, which is you must ramp up production, make the United States and the West less, re less reliant on some of the world's worst human beings. Instead, what if we make ourselves more reliant on... Again, this is the dirty secret. We can spend as much money as we want on green energy. It ain't going to make up for the fact that carbon-based fossil fuels are way more efficient on a per capita basis than are any of these green sources that they are talking about right now with the exception of nuclear energy, which they don't want to build. This is what Europe has been finding out. Europe is just 10 years ahead of us on this. Europe radically reduced its own carbon emissions. It did so by importing a bunch of oil and natural gas from Russia. And that meant the... And that meant that when Russia attacked Ukraine, they were basically screwed. They were very limited in what they could do. And this administration wants to follow that European example all the way down. And it's amazing. Life slaps them in the face. You know, they, they used to say that a conservative was a liberal who'd been mugged by reality. Now a liberal is a liberal who'd been mugged by reality. A liberal just gets mugged by reality, but they don't care. They just keep going with it. So it's, it's unreal. So Kamala Harris yesterday, they, so she is just a wonder. I mean, just a political master of, of, of her domain. She is, she's incredible at this. 
So yesterday, she smiled and waved as she ignored questions on oil. Thank you. She will catch you later. Bye. Yay. By the way, she was speaking about transportation at the time. She gave an entire speech about what if we could imagine heavy duty, heavy duty vehicles producing zero emission. What if we could imagine that? What if we could imagine cars stalled in the streets because you morons decided that you were going to invest a bunch of money in less efficient sources of energy in the face of dictatorships that are producing most of the energy that people need? I mean, like, what are you doing? Here's Kamala Harris yesterday. Imagine a future. The freight trucks that deliver bread and milk to our grocery store shelves and the buses that take children to school and, and parents to work. Imagine all the heavy-duty vehicles that keep our supply lines strong and allow our economy to grow. Imagine that they produced zero emissions. Well, you all imagined it. You imagined it, and so it was real. And so it was real, because you imagined it. Imagine a unicorn whose farts power the economy. You imagined it. You did. I saw it in your brains. I, I'm... That is, man, she, if, if she hides in a sewer and carries a red balloon, we, uh, she, wow, she is such a clown. Okay, so um, that wasn't the best Kamala Harrisism. Of, uh, like, th there has to be some sort of term for Kamala Harris saying completely nonsensical things that are said with absolute fervor and are treated as deep thoughts. You know, I, the, the distinction between deep thoughts by Kamala Harris and deep thoughts by Jack Handy, that, that line has been basically obliterated at this point. Between Kamala Harris saying we must always do what we have been doing and we must continue to do it, and this one. Right? So yesterday, she dropped an all-timer. So here is Kamala Harris speaking yesterday and saying so little with so many words while smiling creepily at you. It's, uh, it, was, it was a moment. Here we go. That's why we're here today. Because we have the ability to see what can be, unburdened by what has been, and then to make the possible actually happen. Did you catch all that? Gotta retrace those steps, okay? Because this one is like, it, it, it's, it's, like an Escher Bach <laughs> painting. It's like, it's like an Escher, MC Escher thing. Like the, the staircase goes around and it looks like it's going back to the beginning, but somehow it's still below. That, that, that's the sentence. Okay, it's MC Escher. So she says, okay, just get this right. We have the ability to see what can be unburdened by what has been and to make the possible actually happen. Yeah, she's a, she's a doozy. She's a doozy. Meanwhile, the Russian bombs are falling in Ukraine and the oil prices are skyrocketing. But don't worry, you, you imagined it. You imagined it. So much imagination happening. And the power of imagination. So basically, the energy strategy of this administration is the same as the strategy of the Lost Boys in Hook. Right? You sit at that table with Robin Williams and you unfurl you, you pick up the platter cover and there's just steam. But if you imagine it, that steam is, is energy. It's real. You have like a big food fight. It'll be so much fun. It'll be bang rang. 
That's that, that is the energy strategy of this administration. They're a damned joke. It's unbelievable. By the way, Pete Buttigieg is just as great. So Pete Buttigieg, remember, these are their top presidential candidates. Okay, you got an old man who's dead. You've got Kamala Harris, who is the creepiest person in American politics. I mean, just wildly bizarre and creepy and laughs weirdly and is terrible at this and says things like, and I have to quote it again, we have the ability to see what can be unburdened by what has been and to make the possible actually happen which sounds like 10,000 corporate advisors saying synergy in unison while pounding on typewriters like monkeys to come up with that sentence. And, and then you have Pete Buttigieg, who is the secretary of transportation because he likes choo-choo trains and is gay. That is why he's the secretary of transportation. Because generally, you don't take failed mayors of South Bend, Indiana and make them secretary of transportation because they like choo-choo trains. This genius went completely absent for two months from his job in the middle of a supply chain crisis, and no one noticed. No one noticed. But the good news is, he's a real man of the people, is Pete Buttigieg. You know, we know this is a man so great that he is both not a good mayor of South Bend, Indiana, but is gay, and also learned Norwegian to read a book in Norwegian. These are the things that are important about Pete Buttigieg. And so Pete Buttigieg, yesterday, he, um, he said that the answer to this problem with the supplies of, of oil and natural gas that the, the answer is you need to buy an electric vehicle my god why didn't i think of that you idiots just buy an electric vehicle i mean what's the pro here's pete booty judge man of the people clean transportation can bring significant cost savings for the american people as well last month we announced a five billion dollar investment to build out a nationwide electric vehicle charging network so the people from rural to suburban to urban communities can all benefit from the gas savings of driving an EV. Oh man, wow. I mean, those gas savings, those must be incredible, right? I mean, you know how much money we could send on, save on gas if you could just buy an electric vehicle? Why didn't anyone think of this? Why don't you buy an Eagle and ride it around, guys? A giant Eagle, not like a regular sized Eagle, like a huge giant Eagle, like the ones from Lord of the Rings. You can imagine it. I see you imagining it right now. The giant eagles, right? That should have taken Frodo and Sam directly to Mount Doom instead of having them wander all the way through the entire lands of, of Lord of the Rings world, Middle Earth. If you could have those eagles, those eagles, they, they are green energy. Okay, let me, let me just explain that the, according to Kelly Blue Book, the average transaction price for an electric vehicle in April 2021 was $51,500 which is $11,000 higher than what you would pay at the dealership for a full-size gas-powered car and $30,000 more than the average compact car sale. So, you know, you guys, you're, I know you're worried about the price of the pump. I know that that incremental difference between like $4 and $7 is just killing you. So if you could just drop like $30,000 for an electric vehicle, and when I say $30,000, I don't mean $30,000 total. I mean $30,000 above what you would pay for a new vehicle. So if you could just take that car that you weren't going to replace, dump that, and buy a $50,000 electric car, that would fix your problem when you are deeply worried about your energy cost rising to the tune of, I don't know, 100 bucks a month? Clearly, you got 50 grand sitting around. What's the problem here? These people are... But it's also worth noting here that according to Axios Today, it turns out that your electric vehicle does not work when it is cold outside. <laughs> this is a problem. The percentage of EPA range in freezing and warm weather. Okay, so the Chevy Bolt loses an extraordinary amount of its range when it is cold outside. It loses like 33% of its range when it's cold outside. So does the Chevy Volt. 
Some of the better cars, like the Tesla Model Y, don't lose any range at all. But some of the worst cars, like the Chevy Bolt and the che American cars, American-made, all those cars, the Detroit cars, really, those are the ones that are the worst when it is cold outside, which is when you need to get places because it's cold. <laughs> These people. But you know what? In the end, in the end, it's really about the, it's the imagination. It's, it's all the power of imagination. So EPA Administrator Michael Reagan said yesterday that we just have to imagine the future. And if we can imagine together, like those children at the Lost Boys table, then it will materialize. It'll be so much fun. Here we go. Under President Biden and Vice President Harris's leadership, we're pressing the accelerator to reach a zero emissions future sooner than most people thought. EPA's two announcements today are about seizing the opportunity that technology presents and driving towards a cleaner, healthier, more just future for all of our children. Mm, well, I mean, if we can imagine it, then imagination is the first step to achievement, unless there are no other steps other than the imagining and spending lots and lots of money. Meanwhile, gas prices at the pump, yeah, they're, they're getting worse. So here is the United States' temperance. It's the same as the old solution, guys. Remember the old solution was we are going to go green, but then secretly kind of, because we're NIMBYs, right? Not in my backyard. We're going to go green, but then secretly we're going to shovel a bunch of dirty horrible oil from like the Middle East and Russia and South America. We're going to bring it in. We're going to use that stuff for your car, right? But, but here, we are going to focus on windmills, beautiful windmills that chop birds into small pieces. We're going to focus on those. And solar energy that doesn't work when it's dark outside and the batteries aren't all that durable. And we have to get the lithium for the batteries from China. But forget all of that. The important thing is imagination. How are we going to fix this problem? The same way we've been doing up until now. We're going to go to the world's worst people and we are going to ask them for oil. This is their actual plan. We're going to get to that in just one moment. As you can see, everything, the prices, everything in life, is just going up. And your enjoyment of life is concomitantly going down. Well, I have a solution to both of those problems. The answer is good ranchers because they bring you the greatest meat you have ever tasted in your entire damned life. It's unbelievable. So they brought me a kosher steak recently. Let me just tell you, this thing is unreal. It's unreal. The meat is so good. And their prices are extraordinary. Even though grocery prices feel like they have doubled, Good Ranchers' prices have stayed low and affordable. Once you subscribe, that price never rises. Your best price is locked in forever. 85% of the grass-fed beef in stores and online is imported from overseas. Do not pay a premium for low-quality foreign meat. Instead, shop Good Ranchers for all your beef, chicken, and seafood needs. Good Ranchers only sells 100% American meat from local farms and ranches. They have signature steak burgers and Wagyu burgers that are packed full of flavor. They've got the pre-trimmed, pre-marinated chicken breasts that are absolutely delicious. They are easy to prepare. They are better than the organic. And their packaging makes it easy to cook what you want and save the rest, which also keeps you from wasting anything. That's a big thing. Their animals are ethically raised and sustainably sourced. They do things the right way. It shows in every box. Again, they got me because I'm special. A special kosher steak. And let me tell you, this is one of the best steaks I have ever had in my entire life. And it is definitely the best steak I have ever had grilled on a barbecue right in front of me. Get your $30 discount on Prime Steaks better than organic chicken today. Go to www.goodranchers.com slash Ben. Save on the quality you've been looking for. Good Ranchers takes the guesswork out of the grocery store by sourcing everything from local farms and shipping it to your door. Use my code Ben. Enjoy your box of 100% American meat and use 30 bucks of savings. Order now to combat inflation with Good Ranchers. American meat delivered. Okay, so here's the thing. We continue to bring you just amazing material here at Daily Wire. If you haven't already added the premiere of the Daily Wire's latest film, The Hyperions, to your to-do list this week, you need to do so like right now, like right now. The film premieres this Thursday night, March 10th. We can't wait to share it with you. It's exactly what's missing in Hollywood these days. It's not woke. It has zero underlying political message. It's just fun. 
It's just entertaining. It's not going to slap you in the face with some left-wing social messaging just kind of sneaked in at the last minute. Check out the trailer. My name is Vista Mandelbaum. My brother and I have taken four hostages. Everybody against the wall. We've come for one thing. Our Titan badges. Is this real? Yes, ma'am, this is real. Is my Titan this? Well, I want that too. It's the police. They want to talk to whoever's in charge. This Titan badge can grant an individual superhuman power. Perhaps it's time for someone else to take on the responsibility. Meet Apollo. I'd recommend next time using your power. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you think so. Calling all Hyperians. On my way. You're making such a mess in here. We've got a Hyperion en route. Not a good time to look stupid. Shots fired! God, come on, give me my gun! Suit up for adventure. trying to destroy me. Next question, how's the family? The family is, um, uh, gosh, what is it? Marvelous. It's a great movie. I mean, really, really enjoyable. Appropriate, I would say, for, for everybody who's 13 plus. The Hyperions is a dysfunctional family film with throwback vibes. It is 100% worth the stream. It's super creative. Really, I haven't seen anything like it. We'll be streaming the film once on March 10th for all of YouTube to see. This is the last time we will be premiering a movie on YouTube at all. So be sure to head on over to Daily Wire's YouTube channel. Set a reminder for that live showing after that. You need to be a member to get in on the action. Head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe so you don't miss any more of the growing cache of content we have to offer. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do here? You know, we've got this big spike in oil prices and we don't want to ramp up production because after all, that might piss off Greta Thunberg and she'll be very disappointed in you. I'm so disappointed, you adults. You're the worst. I want my pony and I want it now. And Joe Biden's like, I'll give you your pony if you let me smell your hair. Okay. <laughs> so what's our solution? Why don't we go to Nicolas Maduro and ask him for oil? This is our actual dumbass solution. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding you. According to Antonio Maria Delgado and Michael Wilner writing for the Miami Herald, a surprise effort by the Biden administration to forge a deal with Venezuela's Nicolas Maduro and to restore the flow of Venezuelan oil into U.S. ports might be welcomed by many U.S. motorists struggling with soaring prices amid the invasion of Ukraine. So look, just to get this straight, we're going to go to the guy whose people are eating dogs in the streets because they nationalized the oil industry and then inflated the currency and destroyed the economy and have refused to hold a decent election. The United States since 2019, by the way, has not recognized Nicolas Maduro as the leader of Venezuela. They've recognized Juan Guaido, who is the opposition leader over there, as the legitimate leader of Venezuela. Now we're going to go back to Maduro and we are going to give him money for his oil so that he can then funnel that to places like Cuba to continue the repression. It's going to be great, guys. This is, sorry, again, remember, Russia, what made Russian invasions of foreign countries are powered by Western expenditures on Russian oil and natural gas. 
So our plan is to substitute for Russian oil and natural gas with Venezuelan oil and natural gas. My God, if North Korea had oil and natural gas, maybe we should, maybe we'd go to them. Are there any other horrible regimes we could go to instead of just drilling? Instead of just letting fracking leases happen? Instead of just opening pipelines? This is absurd. It's abs- By the way, it's, it's even more absurd given the fact that Venezuela's output is fractional. Venezuela destroyed its own oil industry. Venezuela is one of the most oil-rich places on planet Earth. They don't even produce it anymore because they suck so much at it. According to the Wall Street Journal, even as the U.S. considers lifting sanctions so Venezuela gets oil flowing, the reality is that the country's oil sector is ill-prepared to start churning out more crude and lower fast-rising oil prices amid the Ukraine war. Years of mismanagement, corruption, and nationalization of oil ventures caused Venezuela's oil industry, which in the 1990s produced 3.2 million barrels a day, to crash by 2020 when output fell to just one-tenth of what it had been. Production has now more than doubled to about 800,000 barrels a day. That is less than 1% of the 100 million barrels dozens of countries produce worldwide daily. People who work in or are familiar with the oil industry in Venezuela describe a sector that is a shadow of what it once was when the country was one of the four main exporters of oil to the United States. Rusted and frequently damaged oil pipelines carry a fraction of the crude they once could. Rigs that once dotted the landscape in the country's oil-rich sectors have gone quiet. Looters break into oil installations to steal everything from pumps to compressors to fencing and metal to be sold as scrap. The country's mammoth but decrepit refineries, though more active than they were two years ago, still process a minimal proportion of the crude they refined in the 1990s. The Amoy refinery processed about 168,000 barrels of crude daily in 2021. That is down from 570,000 barrels a day in 1998. And Venezuela was never able to replace the thousands of highly trained oil engineers, executives, and workers who were purged from the state oil company, the PDVSA, or fled into exile as the regime grew increasingly authoritarian. Venezuela's oil industry is an intensive therapy, said Ivan Frites, the exiled general secretary of the Oil Workers Union in Venezuela's Falcon State, which includes Amoy. In Venezuela, you have to build from scratch what has been destroyed. So the again, the plan of this administration is don't open up the oil leases, don't open up, Keys, don't open up Keystone XL, don't ramp up production. Again, the way you would in a war, don't do any of those things. Instead, go to one of the world's worst authoritarian dictatorship and ask them, if you could borrow their rusting oil infrastructure and if they could possibly ramp up production so we can fund them. By the way, Venezuela is allied with Russia. Venezuela has been openly allied with Vladimir Putin for years. Putin uses Venezuela as a base of operations in South America. This is insanity. Aides of Juan Guaido, the leader of the Venezuelan opposition, were informed of the meeting at the last minute. A high-ranking member of Guaido's team told the Miami Herald, It's foolish to think Maduro will quit Russia when a great deal of the corruption funds have been deposited in Russia. And when Russia, furthermore, is its greatest ally, this is a mistake. To buy oil oil from Maduro is the same as buying oil from Putin. It's unreal. And, And just to make things absolutely clear, we are also now making overtures to Iran, of course. So the the Biden administration, which is supposedly at economic war with Russia, is currently negotiating using Russia with Iran, presumably to bring Iran into the world economy. Now, bring Iran into the world economy is designed to achieve what? It's not going to moderate the regime. What is it designed to achieve? It's designed to bring more oil online, more natural gas online, because Iran is an oil and gas-rich region. So Jensaki is forced into the bizarre position of saying that while we are sanctioning Russia and punishing Russia and at economic war with Russia and shipping military material into Ukraine to fight Russia, 
It's no biggie that we're using Russia to negotiate with the Iranians. Here was Jen Psaki yesterday. I don't think anyone believes it's in their interest for Iran to acquire a nuclear weapon. Uh, and that is how we're approaching these negotiations and discussions. And certainly, as the Secretary of State said just yesterday, we don't believe that the, the sanctions on them have anything to do with that uh, shared goal. It's just incredible. It's just incredible. So, again, we decided that we were so ensconced in the green way of thinking and using our imagination. Like Kamala Harris, their imagination. We decided we were going to do that. The problem with imagination is someone's got to foot the bills. And it turns out that the way that the West has been footing the bills, particularly in Europe, has been Russian oil and natural gas. In the United States, right now, when hit with high oil prices, we've decided that our solution is to go to more of the world's worst people and to ask them for their help. And you, meanwhile, will be paying for our transition to green energy that is not nearly as effective or ready for prime time as the left claims that it is. But maybe we can use the power of imagination. All you have to do is come down into the sewer for the red balloon. All righty. We'll be back here a little later today with an additional hour of content coming up soon is the Matt Walsh Show airing at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to check it out over at dailywire.com. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Help spread the word about The Ben Shapiro Show by giving us a five-star review and sharing the show with a friend. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out some of our other Daily Wire shows. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our production manager is Pavel Wydowski. Associate producer, Bradford Carrington. Editing is by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant, Jessica Crand. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Today on the Matt Wall Show, protests are growing louder over the bill in Florida which bans the sexual indoctrination of kids in elementary school. The left has managed to garner this much outrage by simply lying about what's in the bill. Today we'll sift through the nonsense and get to the truth and we'll read the actual bill itself, which is a bold step if you can imagine it. Also, as gas prices skyrocket across the country, Biden announces a plan to ban Russian oil, but the new oil import plan isn't much of an improvement. We'll talk about that. Kamala Harris also tries to be inspirational again, and it doesn't go well. Serena Williams is the victim of racism, or so she claims. A police chief in Florida is fired for anti-white bias. There's a new one. In our daily cancellation, we'll talk about the body positivity advocate who inadvertently exposes an ugly truth, which is that the body positivity movement is actually fueled by hatred towards men. I'll explain why. All of that and more today on The Matt Wall Show. 